Good morning, New Life Church. Great to be with you. This morning, we are going to look at the book of Proverbs. The whole book of Proverbs. But you'll be glad to know, not verse by verse. Now, we all know bits of the book of Proverbs, like Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, about uh, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Very handy if you have to put a verse in a card. We all know those verses. What about Proverbs 15.1? The soft answer turns away wrath. You know, there's lots of verses we know. And probably most of us are familiar with the woman in Proverbs 31. I mean, how many women listening today have been intimidated by this account of the perfect wife, the perfect woman in Proverbs 31, who does everything. She feeds her household. She clothes them all. She weaves. She buys cloth. She buys a field. She does. She plants vineyards. She feeds the poor. She looks after her husband. She is like the impossible woman. And how many men here have bemoaned the fact that they can't actually find this woman? Now, I actually have... um an answer to all these things. But I'm going to tell you a little story to start with. And that is, before I met Andrew, there was actually someone else in pursuit as well. And just before we got married, in fact, even had been the night before, we had a bit of a family gathering. And somehow he was there. And he chose to read these verses to me. And it's one of those moments where you don't know whether to, oh, be coy and shy, or whether to just put your hand up and own it and say, yep, that's me. But there we go. This is the Proverbs 31 woman. Today, I'm going to provide an answer for all the women who've been intimidated and all the men who can't find her. The book of Proverbs has a structure. You're getting today Anne's version of Proverbs. Proverbs, like all good books, has a beginning, a middle and an end. Now, there are some people who suggest that the last two chapters are appendices, they've just been tagged on the end. But although the book is a compiled collection of wise sayings, of proverbs, that was put together probably around two and a half thousand years ago, doesn't mean that people back then were stupid. Doesn't mean they didn't know how to put a book together. It doesn't mean that, that the book wasn't carefully constructed. So here we are, we're going to look at the beginning, the middle and the end. First of all, The beginning. Now, these are the Proverbs of Solomon. This is the first nine chapters, the Proverbs of Solomon. And in chapter one, verse seven, we get the verse that tells us what this whole book is about. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So this is it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of everything that this book is going to be about. And the way it's structured is that there are a number of speeches where Solomon addresses his son or his sons. And just a little aside about when you're reading Proverbs, you actually find in chapter 1, verse 6, it talks about um, uh, following the instruction of your father and not despising the teaching of your mother. I can't remember exactly how the verse goes, but this kind of parallelism exactly equates the father and the mother in the instruction of the child. And you find that right through Proverbs. It's not that somehow father's instruction is better or mother's instruction is better. They're equal partners in 
bringing up the child and instructing the child. So, the father's first speech to the son. I found 14 of these because I looked at every time he says, here, my son, this, this, this. Now, probably some of them could actually be put together, so there may actually only be 10 or 12 actual speeches, but because they fall into different subject matter, I've split them into these parts. And the first one, basically, the message is, don't follow the enticing way of the sinner, of the wicked. Um, now, sinners in this instance are not just people who occasionally do, the, do a bad thing. They're not even people who occasionally rob banks. These are people, you have to remember that this is all within the framework of Israel being God's covenant people. And the righteous are the ones who are in a right relationship with God. They're the covenant keepers and they follow him. And the sinners, or sometimes the fools or the scornful, or they have different names, the scoffers, they're the ones who turn their backs on God. They go their own way and so they break the covenant. So sinners is a quite a specific term. So don't be enticed by them. These people will lay traps. They will try to get you to go their way. The son is warned not to follow them. A little break now from the father's speeches to his son. And we have our first encounter with this woman whose name is Wisdom. And she's walking the streets and she's inviting everyone to come to her. Even the foolish, the simple, the scoffers, the sinners. She says, come to me and I will pour my spirit into you. Come to me. She's offering them a way out of foolishness and a way into wisdom. But they reject her. And we read about them. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, and would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. So this, because of this, their ways, their end is not good. So these are the people who've rejected wisdom. And now we return to another speech by the father to his son, where he encourages the son to pursue wisdom, um, to search for wisdom like it's a hidden treasure. It says in chapter 2, verse 6, verses 6 and 7, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, those are the righteous. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. And you'll find throughout Proverbs that wisdom, knowledge, understanding are used interchangeably. And the words have, we'll come on to this a bit later, but the words have a, a wider meaning. We tend to narrow them down to just an intellectual thing. But really, they were a, they had a wider um, range of meaning to mean a lot more of all that's encompassed in life. But we'll come to that a bit later. Now, by pursuing th this, really, this verse here compares with these people we read about just now who, who despise wisdom, who reject her, and there's no good in store for them. Whereas here, there is. Now, here we come to... The forbidden woman. We, if you pursue wisdom, it says, you will be delivered from the forbidden woman. Verse 17, we discover something about this forbidden woman. She is the one who forsakes the companion of her youth, who forgets the covenant of her God. So this is like the sinners we saw in the first, um, the first speech. 
This is a, the covenant breaking person. So now we've actually met all the players in this drama. And we have this list of the cast, the dramatis personae. Here we go. We've met the father, the son or sons, the righteous and the sinners. We've met the woman wisdom and we've met the forbidden woman. And later we learn that actually her name is Folly. Now here, wisdom is personified as a woman. Wisdom is this amazingly important aspect of God, which he gives to his children. And wisdom is pictured as a woman. And this is so that it helps. All of this is picture language in a way. There's a father and sons and this woman he's supposed to pursue, who is called wisdom. And this paints a whole picture for us. And it makes it clearer to us what is going on as this whole drama unfolds. And so the book begins with Solomon addressing his son. So this is a king instructing a prince. Now, if we take this really literally, it doesn't actually apply to any of us. Because I don't, unless anybody has snuck in without us knowing, I don't think we have any kings or princes at New Life Church, except as sons of the King of Heaven. So if we apply this literally, it doesn't apply. But this picture of the son, father talking to the son, of the king talking to the prince, is the ultimate picture of a parent addressing their child. So this parent is addressing the child. It's basically God addressing us and explaining to us. God is talking to us, explaining how, how life can be lived. And um, the sinners, the scoffers, the fools, are anyone who turns their back on God, anyone who doesn't receive his instruction and goes their own way. It says in Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool says in his heart there is no God, which means I can do what I like. So these are the people. So throughout the rest of the book, we hear about these sinners, and we also hear about the righteous. And these are the ones who trust God, who are in right relationship with him. And as the the son receives the instruction from his father and goes through the rest of these why this wise instruction in the book, it's really the righteous he's supposed to identify with. If you're taking this seriously, this is who you will be. Now then, all good superheroes have an arch nemesis. And it's the same for the woman wisdom. And her arch nemesis, Tom will like this, her arch nemesis is the forbidden woman whose ways lead to death. Wisdom leads to life. The forbidden woman leads to death. And we'll see later when she's finally fully revealed that her name is Folly. So then we're going to go through a few more. We'll see these speeches, the third speech. I'm just, I just summarize what they're basically about. It's about trusting in the Lord. The fourth speech is about not despising correction. You know, this is a good thing. God corrects the ones he loves. Um, the fifth speech is about how, I'm sorry, I've jumped ahead. I've missed a bit of my notes. We get another little interlude now that talks about wisdom, that talks about the blessings of finding wisdom. 
And actually, we will see these verses reflected because these verses are actually repeated in another way further on, and we'll see them reflected later in the the story. So these verses here, but blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding. The gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honour. Wisdom offers you everything. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her and those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. We can see that wisdom is this fundamental aspect of who God is. So we get back to the father's speeches. In this fifth speech, he he just gives instruction about how sound wisdom actually play, plays out in life and brings security. In the sixth speech, he says, I'm actually passing on what my father taught me. I'm passing on what I learned. He says, get wisdom. Prize her highly. The seventh speech, he says, now that you've got her, keep hold of her. Don't follow the path of the wicked, follow the path of the righteous. And the next one, he just says, keep your eyes on these things. These things are life. This is so important. And the next two speeches, speeches probably could be run together, but actually I kind of split them up. And in the ninth speech, the son is told to avoid the forbidden woman. The forbidden woman leads to death. And then the next speech, he's told, don't even go near the forbidden woman. Be satisfied at home with your wife. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that a bit later. And the next one, he actually gives, the father gives the son good financial advice. It's actually couched in terms of whether you're borrowing or lending, but it would probably be to us, the advice would probably be don't get into debt. And think about saving for the future, you know, prepare for a rainy day. The next one is, if you follow these teachings, there'll be a light, these, there'll be a light to you. This will keep you from the enticement of the evil woman. The forbidden woman isn't just there. It's not just a choice between wisdom and this forbidden woman. The forbidden woman, the evil woman, actually actively entices you to follow. And then in the next one, here's the secret to keeping this forbidden woman away. It says, make wisdom your intimate companion because the forbidden woman will do everything she can. But if you have this intimate companion of wisdom, you're protected. And then lastly, there's this final warning that the forbidden woman is the one who leads to death. So those are the speeches. Very rapidly, we've hurtled through the first seven chapters of Proverbs and all the advice that the the father gives to the son, the parent is giving to his child that God is giving to us. And now we have these amazing next chapter and a half, all of chapter eight and the first half of chapter nine, where wisdom reveals herself. She stands out and she says, here I am. And this is a long passage, so I'm not going to read it. Uh, but there are certain key verses in here which we can take from this. And she says, take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. Wisdom is better than anything this earth can offer. And it says in further on on what she says, 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So to, even to start on the path of wisdom, we need to come to the Lord. We need to come to the Lord in trust and respect. This isn't fear of the Lord. Oh, I'm terrified to come to him in case he throws thunderbolts at me. This is like, I have such amazing respect for this awesome person and I can come to him knowing that I can put my complete trust in him. So then, second part of chapter 9, the forbidden woman is revealed and we learn that her name is Folly and she leads to death. Now before we get to the middle section of the book, let's consider who or what these people are, wisdom and folly. Now folly is pictured, I don't want the verses yet, folly is pictured as a seducer of men, as someone who lures the simple away. She's an adulteress. Now in chapters 5, 6 and 7, we get lots of warnings about sexual immorality and warnings about how alluring this forbidden woman is and how you shouldn't go after her and so on and so on. And as a description of sexual immorality and and um, sexual temptation and sin, these chapters are actually quite amazing and they're really, really helpful. But as with a lot of scripture, this works well at a surface level, but there's much more going on here. And we'll see this in a moment. It actually says of wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 35 and 36. Wisdom says, whoever finds me finds life and obtains favour from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself and all who hate me love death. And we see this mirrored because we then get this description of folly about how she's trying to entice people to her house. And it says at the end, she says to him, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. You know, all the usual temptations, you know. But this is, this is serious temptation. This isn't just like a really naughty piece of cake, you know. It's not just something slathered in cream. This is serious. And she says finally, it says, but he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. This is the house of folly. It leads to death. Now, I think that terrible sin, though adultery may be, we wouldn't normally say that adultery leads to death. And so this is this is part of this being a deeper picture than simply sexual sin. Now, this word that in this particular... Um, translation the ESV is translated adulterer the actual word in the Hebrew is a foreign woman and it's not because there's any um there's anything against foreigners but usually it was the foreign women who would come in still worshipping their foreign gods and idols and people would be led astray and so this is the person this adulterer adultery is often a picture of forsaking the true god and going after false gods So this woman is the one who leads people astray, who leads people away from the true God. And this is why her house is called the house of death, because following her leads to spiritual death. So this is the deeper level of the picture of adultery and sexual sin that is that is going on in these places and why we're told that folly leads to death. So what's wisdom in contrast to this dreadful person? 
wisdom is an interesting word in the Hebrew. It's, it's, it's delicious to say. It's the word chokhmah. And um, it has a much wider meaning. Than, than when we think of wisdom, we just think of someone who um, can think straight and makes good decisions, you know. Um, you were wise to buy Tesla stock when you did. Uh, but it really, in, in Hebrew, it's got its wisdom, its understanding, its skill, its creativity. It's got this much wider meaning. And we see a really good example of this in Exodus chapter 35. And this is, they're, they're, the children of Israel are going to build the tabernacle and all the materials are being assembled and now the workers are being assembled for building the tabernacle. And Moses said to the people of Israel, see, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. Now this word skill that's highlighted here is actually in the Hebrew, the word chokhmah. And he's going to use all this to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. And he's filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. So this is actually, this wisdom is actually creativity. It's skill with their hands. It's skill with, yes, the Lord has given it to them, but I think these people probably worked in these fields beforehand. I don't think they took someone who was um, a camel herder and suddenly said, now you're going to be a stonemason. God worked, God had given them gifts and now he enhances those gifts and he works with them. And their skill, their wisdom is used in the creation of the tabernacle. So wisdom really, I would define as it is how to live everyday life, how to make the best use of the gifts God gives us. It's more than just moral decisions. It's not just knowing what the wise course of action is, but it's actually choosing to do it. And that's what the parent, the father, is saying to the son, to the child. This is what God is saying to us. And now we go on to the middle section. And at this point, you're probably worried because there's 20 chapters to go. And you're thinking we'll be here till Tuesday afternoon. Don't worry. We're going to do this all in one go. This middle section is the collected Proverbs of Solomon. The last two chapters of the book are ascribed to Agur and the mother, mother of Lemuel. We're not quite sure who these people were. But many people think these are actually just other names for Solomon. And it's just other collections of Solomon's Proverbs all put together in this one book. Now, proverbs themselves are useful advice. They're little pithy sayings. They're useful advice for how to live a life 
that follows wisdom and keeps away from folly. And they should be read with this in mind. When you read through the Proverbs, you have to bear in mind that these are written to this God's covenant people who are either keeping his covenant or breaking it. They're either following wisdom or they're following folly. They are the righteous or they're the sinners in the ways we defined them earlier. So all of these sayings are are within this framework. And they're generalities. They're not promises. Neither are they prophecies. We can't claim these things. I mean, in Proverbs 22.6 is the one about train up a child in the way he's, he should go and when he's old, in the, what, how does it go? And then when he's old, he will not depart from them. Sounds wonderful. Didn't work for Solomon. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, who presumably is who he said all this to, was the next king of Israel and he was an absolute disaster who turned his back on God. But if you don't train up a child in the way he should go, why would he ever follow God? I had a friend at work when I, just before I met Andrew, or about the time I met Andrew, and he had young children, and he decided he would, he wasn't a Christian, he didn't go to church, he didn't believe anything in particular, but he decided he would send his children to Sunday school, because he said, when they're teenagers, They'll choose whether to go to church or not go to church. He said, but if they don't know what church is, then that's not a choice for them. So, you know, you have to know what both these things are. So unless you, so this is the train up a child in the way he should go. So anyway, my little aside on that. That's the middle section of Proverbs done. We've just done 20 chapters. Wonderful. And I think it's 20. Anyway, now we come to. The final bit. This is this fabled Proverbs 31 woman. You know, there's, there's lots of people who feel that this is what they should aspire to. There's women who, you know, you can hear messages on this, on what it takes to be a Proverbs 31 woman. You know, men are encouraged to find a Proverbs 31 woman as a wife. And it's all so discouraging. Anyway, she's this shining example of virtue and hard work, but who is she really? Now, when you, um, when you talk to real estate agents, you have this magic phrase. They have this magic phrase, location, location, location. Where the house is really matters. Is there a school? Is there a subway? Blah, 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 blah. Location, location, location. When you're reading scripture, the mantra is context, context, context. Where does this fit in the surrounding verses, in the surrounding chapters, in the book, in the Bible? This chapter has a context. This chapter is not just tagged on at the end of the book because the editor or compiler wanted to include it but didn't know quite where it would fit in. So he sort of thought, well, we'll just stick it on the end. It's not an appendix. It's part of the deliberate, planned structure of the book. So here's how the structure unfolds. To begin with, the father, the parent, gives the son, child, instruction about wisdom and her opposite, folly, with encouragement to choose wisdom, who leads to life, and to avoid folly, who leads to death. So he has this choice between these two women, the woman wisdom and the woman folly. And then 
the father gives lots of proverbs about how choosing wisdom or choosing folly actually works out in everyday life. You see what the what the path of the righteous is, you see what the end is, you see what the path of the wicked is, you see what their end is. You see how all these things apply in really practical situations in everyday life. Just ordinary things. And so the son has been through all this, he's looked at all these choices, and here we come to the grand conclusion. This is the conclusion, this is the choice the son should make out of these two women. He should choose this glorious woman, wisdom. It's obvious to us now because we know the whole plot of the book. So now we can see that this is who this woman is meant to be because we can make comparisons with various verses. If we look at, I've got a nice little chart here. So see if you can understand it. On the left, we have what um, is written about the woman in Proverbs 31. It says, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. Now, that's absolutely true. But what's it saying underneath all of this, this, this surface message? In Proverbs 7, verse 4, it says, Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. Wisdom and insight are being used in the same sense here. Sister, it doesn't mean sister like blood relative. This means sister as in closest companion, intimate friend. So wisdom should be your, I mean, this is why it uses the picture of wife. An intimate, close friend. So here she is. This is wisdom. She is far more precious than jewels. It says, we read verses earlier about her being more desirable than anything you could imagine. And here's another few verses that say the same thing. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her precious, her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are the riches and honour. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. And she is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. So this is her being more precious than jewels. And then we can see, and here's another interesting example. We're told of wisdom in Proverbs 31, that her husband is known in the gates where he sits among the elders of the land. Well, in purely... Um, uh, just in the terms of how, of the culture of that day, you know, this would mean he was an important person in the city. You know, she's got this honourable husband. Wisdom says, blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. So this is the husband of wisdom. This is the one who's blessed, who's watching daily at her gates. So this sort of fits this whole picture of this is actually about wisdom. And we read again, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he'll have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. And we're told, my son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. And my the final passage we have to actually look at this, I actually chose um, in Proverbs, uh, when you read through this Proverbs 31 woman, you know, she's doing all these amazing things. She's clothing her, her household in scarlet. You see, I thought I'd do the scarlet bit tonight. This I don't even know what day it is. But I thought I'd do the scarlet bit today, look. And she clothes her family in scarlet. She, um, uh, you know, she 
she grows a vineyard. She does all these things. You know, she buys and sells. She trades. She looks after her household. She feeds everybody. She looks after the servants. She's this incredible person. She pre- prepares for the future. And we have these verses in Proverbs, which I'm sure when if I read them out to you, they'll be very familiar to you. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food for harvest. So even the ant prepares for the future. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So I thought this is like, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman. Wisdom is not like this. Wisdom looks after the house and prepares for the future. So I thought they were interesting parallels. So wisdom is pictured as a wife who diligently cares for her husband and household. Now, although I don't think this is one individual woman that is pictured here in Proverbs, I think it's a picture. It's a composite made up of all the things it's made up of are actual things that women would have done in the time that this particular chapter was being written. So there's, like, it doesn't say things there that women never did. It doesn't say, oh, wisdom fathered many children. It doesn't fit the image because the image is of wisdom as a woman. It doesn't actually say she put on her armour and went into battle. Now, maybe some women did, like Deborah did, but it wasn't a common thing that women did. And so it's not part of the example. But all those other things, the trading, the weaving, the, the buying a field. I mean, Andrew lives in dread of me going out, coming home one day and saying, oh, darling, I've bought a field. Um, they're all actual things that women would have done. So it's not, it's, they're actually quite extensive when you look at it. This is not someone, or these are not people who are just sitting home, throwing another stick on the fire and boiling the beans. You know, this is like, you know, whilst looking after 17 children. This is, these, these are, enterprising things that, 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 you know, so I think it paints actually a very interesting picture of women in whenever it was, well, say the time of Solomon, what's that? 2,900 years ago about. So, you know, I think it's, um, but it isn't one individual woman. So our actual conclusion is that we, as we've been encouraged to, All through the book of Proverbs, we should choose wisdom. Wisdom should be our intimate companion. So Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31, is for all of us. You can be a Proverbs 31 woman, you can be a Proverbs 31 man, because you are the person who chooses wisdom. Wisdom is what you should go for. Now then, that's lovely. So we could stop there and you could all go away and glow for 10 minutes and then think, so what do I do now? What does it actually mean for us today? Well, I'm going to read another bit of Proverbs and you tell me who this sounds like. I expect you all to yell so I can hear you. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. 
when there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields, or even the first dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there, when he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Now, who does that sound like? Standard Sunday School answer. You all yell, Jesus! Yes, it sounds like Jesus. That's Proverbs chapter 8, where wisdom reveals herself. This is wisdom revealing her true identity. This is who the woman wisdom is picturing for us. It's Jesus. We read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 24 and 30. I haven't put all the bits in between, but you can go read them if you want to. But it says, verse 24, But to those who are called, Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. In verse 30 it says, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Now, wisdom, we all actually have some innate wisdom because we're created in the image of God. God has wisdom, we're created in his image. We have some form, form of wisdom. We'd probably call this actually common sense. You know, don't put your hand in that fire, it will burn you. Common sense. As believers, as followers of Jesus, we are united with him, with him who is the wisdom of God. He dwells in us. So by his spirit, we have this further degree of spiritual wisdom that applies in all areas of our lives. Because we're Christians, we don't have a Christian bit of our lives and a secular bit of our lives. We're Christians all the time. So this wisdom of God can apply in anything we do. Anything we do in the church, anything we do with other people, with our families, with our work, anything we do, anything we put our hand to, whether we're being creative or working hard or whatever we're doing, this wisdom that is in us, that is part of us because we have Jesus, it comes into play. Now you might... How did I not read those verses? I'm sorry. Oh, I missed some juicy verses for you there. This is more about how about Jesus being wisdom. Their hearts, this is in Colossians, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this is the Christ who dwells in us. Now, some of you would be jumping up and down, ready to quote this verse to me. James, one extra points if you are. 
James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. We actually, there are actually verses, when we were talking about wisdom in Proverbs, it said God gives wisdom to people. So this is James saying the same thing. God is always willing to give us more wisdom when we need it. Now, James doesn't say, none of you have any wisdom at all of your own. You're all completely useless. Your only chance of getting any wisdom is to ask God for it. He says, if you, if you lack wisdom, if you don't have enough, if you're struggling with what you're doing, you can, if, if the task seems beyond you, you can ask God because anytime we're operating in this sort of wisdom that we have because we're in Christ, we're doing it in Christ. We're not kind of striking out on our own and I'll just use my bit of wisdom for this and when I run out of that, I'll ask God for more. We're operating in what God has already given us and he'll willingly give us more. There's no end to it. He will give us everything we need to do what's set in front of us. We just have to ask God for it. Let him ask God who gives generously and without reproach. God doesn't say, look, you've already got a bit of wisdom. Just use that. God just gives us everything we need. Now, we mentioned earlier there's a difference between knowing what the right course of action is, making the wise choice in any given situation, and then actually making that choice and acting on it and doing it. Quite often, we know what we should be doing. You know, we know because we've read the scriptures or we've heard sermons or whatever, we know what we should be doing. But we have to make the choice to actually do that. I think sometimes we expect, oh, well, I know I should be doing that, but I'll just pray. And we sort of expect God to somehow propel us into that situation where suddenly we're doing it and we're being obedient. So we don't actually have to think about it. But actually... You know, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. It doesn't happen kind of separate to us. We're not like little robots. So we ask God for more wisdom and we step into these choices and we're active in doing this. And we can ask for God's help to give us the strength to make the choice and to actually act on the choice. We're never doing this in our own strength. So what does Getting wisdom, choosing wisdom, look like for us. It looks like, in fact, it is following Jesus. We pursue close, intimate relationship with Jesus. So all our decisions and all our actions are in him because the more we pursue him, the more we become like him. The more we grow into the measure and stature of Jesus Christ, the more we think his thoughts after him. So we pursue him. We spend time with him. We read his word. We discuss with other Christians. We encourage one another. We shape one another. And, and, and we just pursue this intimate relationship with Jesus. And then wisdom will flow in all parts of our life. And we will be protected from making the choices to follow the woman folly that leads to death. We will make the choice to follow wisdom that leads to life. And I'm going to finish with these wonderful words in the second chapter of Proverbs that we can write on our hearts and take away with us into the week.
My child, if you receive my words, so this is God, your heavenly father, your loving heavenly father talking to you and encouraging you. My child, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of his saints. So I encourage you to seek wisdom, pursue a relationship with Jesus, and all these things will follow. Well, I think that we've learned some amazing things today and we can commit this to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give wisdom when we ask. We thank you, Lord, for everything we have in Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we can pursue an intimate relationship with Jesus, that we can get to know him more and more, that he can become a closer and closer friend to us and that in him are found all the treasures of wisdom. And we ask, Lord, that you will encourage us in this this week, that we will find you in the pages of our Bibles as we read, that we will find amazing fellowship with you as we pray, that we will be able to speak to one another and encourage one another to seek wisdom and not folly. So be with us during this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.